Welcome to All About Psych, the flagship podcast of the Singapore Psychological Society, Youth Wing. All About Psych is your bi-monthly resource for all things psychology, as told by current students. Each episode, we invite fellow students and or relevant professional guests to discuss various issues related to psychology. Without further ado, let's hand it over to our host for this episode. Thank you, Leeson. Hello, everyone who is tuning in. My name is Lydia. I'm a psychology student, member of SPS Youth Wing, and most excitingly, your host for today's podcast. To start off our podcast journey, our first episode's theme is chatting with psychology students. So without further ado, let us chat with this episode's guest speakers, Gwyneth and Yen, about their career and personal experiences as psychology students. So to start off, Tell me about yourselves, Gwyneth and Yen. What are you studying now and in which institution? Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Gwyneth, uh, Gwyneth Song, and I am 24 years old this year. Uh, I am also the current president of the SPS Youth Wing, which was recently established in June 2021. So I want to take an opportunity to shout out to the publicity team for making this podcast possible. So as for me, I'm currently pursuing my master's degree as a postgrad student in Nanyang Technological University, Singapore. So my specific route was O-levels to poly to university. So <clears throat> I joined the world of psychology at 17 years old when I enrolled in Nyan Polytechnic under the Diploma in Psychology Studies. So because I am an ancient relic, the diploma has since been discontinued and it has it is now the Diploma for Community Development. Uh, after poly, I went to NTU to do a degree in psychology with a second major in sociology and the rest is history. So, um, yeah, that's a bit about me. And when I was an undergraduate, I joined a lot of clubs and societies like my life depended on it. But um, so I was part of the School of Social Sciences Club and the Students' Union. But now that I'm a postgrad, not so much. I mainly spend my time on the youth wing, thinking about it and doing my research. Wow, that's really great. It's really nice to hear that you're so you know interested in psychology. And what about you, Yen? Hi. So my name is Yen Wang Yanting, um, and I am 24 as well. I do research for the um, Instagram for the for the youth wing. Um, I guess on the route that I took, I went to JC, dropped out of JC, and then went and went to the US. Um, I did an undergrad in psychology at Seattle University in Washington, uh, and then after that, worked a year with kids with autism and then figured out I wanted to do therapy. So I, I ended up going to Pacific Lutheran University in Seattle or, well, in Washington. Um, and so now I'm doing my master's in marriage and family therapy. I mean, I was also really didn't do much with my life besides school and golf. So I was on the Singapore golf team for a while. Um, and I was really, that was like all I did was golf in school. And then I got a scholarship to the U.S. to Seattle University, so I left for that um, because I wanted to play golf and study at the same time. Um, And so, yeah, that's the route I took. 
Oh, that's really um, interesting. And so yeah. is there a reason why both of you decided to pursue psychology? Well, what kind of sparked your interest in, in this field of education? Yeah, so for me, I, um, you know, needed therapy as a child. Um, was very, a lot, under a lot of pressure. And so I started getting these like panic attacks, which I thought I was going crazy. My friends thought I was going crazy. Um, and my parents believed it, sort of. And then they're like, uh, I think it's in your head. And then I was like, yeah, I think it's in my head. And so they ended up sending me to a therapist. And that, that really opened my eyes to the world of psychology. And I was like, wow, this is really helpful. And it would be great if I could help people with their mental health as well. And so that's how I like went on the path of psychology. That's wonderful. It's really great that you're, you know, trying to help others who were in your position as well. And what about you, Gwyneth? Yeah, I just wanted to say that you like Yin, you have like a really compelling story. I think mine's a lot more boring. So <laughs> for me, um yeah, I just threw myself into psychology at sixteen years old. So I don't think there was a lot going on in my head then. So you know if I were to go back in time and ask myself uh, at 16 years old, I think I'm afraid that I would say because psychology is fun and interesting. <laughs> okay, yeah, but to all our listeners, please don't say that when you're in an interview. Okay, um, but seriously speaking, I think it was because I believed I had an affinity for psychology. So, I mean, I had a good sense for reading and writing, which is like a good skill to have when you're pursuing psychology. And I, I like to read, so when I took an English lit like an English literature class back in secondary school. We had to analyze the motivations and, you know, the psyche of a character whose society was collapsing around him. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if anyone's wondering, the book is called Things Fall Apart. I think it was a pretty standard text. And I did not like the book then, but I think it gave a good insight and some foreshadowing for what I would do later on. But that reason to pursue psychology is still interesting. Don't worry, Gwen. <laughs> it's still you. a valid reason, don't you worry. <laughs> And is there anything specific that, you know, um, I guess you fell into the psychology world with, um, according to you, not much of a deep reason, but um, now that you're so involved and obviously now psychology is your life, is there anything that you specifically like the most in psychology? Or what about psychology do you like the most? Yeah, for me, I, I think, okay, of course, broadly speaking, I like how psychology gives us explanations. Uh, explanations like hypotheses and predictions for human behavior. So every time I read like a new article that says, oh, people are behaving like this because of this, and then it gives me like a thrill down my spine. So, but more specifically, I think what I really like is social and cross-cultural psychology. So part of my research, uh, I study social identity, which involves how people derive a sense of meaning from being part of groups. So like, for example, I'm Singaporean, and uh, how such group belonging affects the way they respond to other groups and other people. So, and one thing that interests me the most is like how people's cultural backgrounds influences the way they understand themselves. So this could be things like values, like multiculturalism and ideologies. That's for me. Oh, that's really, really interesting. I think it's an interesting point and possibly a future episode if we think about that. <laughs> Um, and what about you, Yen? Is there anything that you are particularly like more interested in? Yeah, so I mean, I think for me, I did a major in psychology during my undergrad, and 
a minor in criminal justice. So part of it is very interesting for me because I love true crime. And it's, the more I learn, the more I'm like, wow, this is why people do, do these things. And I can, I really enjoy the part of like being able to apply the theories to real life and like being able to like um, dissect why certain behave why people are doing certain things and how like their past has influenced what um their their present um and now I'm in my marriage and family therapy course I've started doing my practicum so I've, I'm seeing clients and providing therapy and it's very interesting um for me to apply what I've learned um to not only individuals but couples and doing couples therapy is very it's so interesting to see how it works and how I'm able to help them um, figure out their problems and like help them dissect what's going on and then help them be able to communicate better and aid them in getting to where they want to be by and not giving them all the answers but like watching guiding them there so for me that's the most exciting part of the psychology I'm studying um, and also being able to like listen to cr- crime true crime podcasts and like figure stuff out and everything that's very fun yeah definitely I agree with you especially you know the uh the common question was it were they born to be killers and stuff like that right it's very interesting I'm also a true crime fanatic um but both of you seem to be so passionate about about psychology of course you know this is now your life do you find that there are um you know a lot of workloads that involve being a psychology student like what are your academic experiences like uh in terms of workload research projects practical work and of course career opportunities yeah that's a great question um so for me i i had a pretty regular um workload even though I had a minor most of my classes overlapped or I was able to get them to overlap so I didn't really have to take a lot of extra classes um in terms of research projects I I pretty sure most class most schools will do a research course so mine was a two-part you learn you learn all the stat stuff in the first first class and then the second class we had to do our own research project I think for that research project is really important for practical work or um, career opportunities if you want to go into research and that's something you can bolster your um, your resume with. Um, for practical work, I was told by my supervisor or my, not supervisor, my um, academic advisor that um, because I was on the golf team, I was uh, my schedule was really irregular so she told me that I wasn't going to be able to get any internships at all so my options were to volunteer and then volunteering um, I was able to make it into a practicum and have it for credits under my course and so I ended up um, volunteering at crisis line um, in Washington or it's like a basically it's a, a, a 24-hour helpline so um, they send you and they do do this training make you go through this training and the crisis line basically you answer both the crisis line and also the suicide hotline all comes into the same place and you answer both and so I did that for um, one practicum credit in school and then I 
continued that for another three years. Um, so I only stopped right before I got in, um I got into after my first year of grad school because I it was a lot. It was very tiring. Um, but yeah, that's the only one that was flexible in, with work schedule. Um. I mean, and, yeah, that sounds really. I mean, yeah. um, that must have been really difficult having to sit, you know, across from a, like a phone line and then listen to all these stories. And uh, Gwyneth, have you had any? I guess similar internships. Uh, I mean, I'm your kind of scope of psychology that you're interested in isn't quite matched to hers. So, what was your, um, you know, your op- opportunities that you had, your academic experiences? Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think that even though both of us, like me and Yen, we're doing a master's program, I think ours is quite different. Yeah, we can talk about that later. So yeah, I think first Yen, I want to say that I think it's really amazing that you were able to like work at a crisis hotline and do like you know immediate counseling or that kind of thing because like i know in singapore it's notoriously hard to get to that kind of position like for the sos hotline you need hours and hours of training and they have multiple selection procedures so i think it's really valuable experience and really happy to hear that you know that gave you the motivation to continue doing therapy yeah but that's just my personal thoughts yeah (laughs) um yeah, for me, uh, it's a bit different. So I guess I just went to, I did a uh, second major in sociology as well as on top of my main psych degree in NTU. So my workload was a bit heavier, um, but it's just like a uni, typical uni thing. So I was taking an average of about three psych modules every semester, just like everyone else, and about one to two core modules from sociology. And on top of that, one to two general education modules. So about six modules per semester. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but somehow I still manage to sleep a lot. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> uh, not, I, I don't want to sleep more. But okay. Yeah, when I was in year two, when I was in year two, I received an invitation to do a student research project um, under this program called Eureka and NTU. So for anyone that's interested, it's U-R-E-C-A. You can Google it, Eureka NTU. And it stands for Undergraduate Research on Campus. So it's basically an opportunity for students that's interested in academia or anything related to like a career on that to work with a professor on their own research idea. And I think it's great. It's a great exposure. So I managed to seek, seek out a professor to work with. I ran my own study and I did not find the results I wanted to see, which is very sad. But it was great exposure. Since I got to do presentations, I got to write my own legit research paper. Thing for tips for like budding students, yeah. one of my regrets is that I actually didn't manage to become a research assistant for any professor's lab. So um, even I mean I did work with my advisor a lot, but uh, and I did still end up in a postgrad program. But being an RA or a research assistant actually gives you a lot of research research exposure and builds your skill set. So my advice to students who are interested in doing research or actually doing any further education or any job actually is to find a research lab early that's aligned to your interest and approach your professors to ask. Never hurts. Yep. As for career opportunities, um, I realized in year two that I wanted to join academia. So this just means pursuing further studies. So I wasn't very worried about career prospects actually. Yeah, I just assumed that, okay, things would fall into my lap. Thankfully, they did, but yeah. Um, I still felt this pressure to go out and work 
because everyone around me was getting internships and they looked like they were achieving things. So there's always this pressure that, oh, you, know, you need to be doing more, you need to be doing internships. So, okay, I, gave, I caved in and I applied for an internship right after I graduated. So later on, when I told my professor, I told her, oh, I finally got an internship. Then she just asked me, did it help you in your career goals? So, okay, my own answer aside, I think it's a great question that you can ask yourself when you're making decisions for what opportunities to pursue. So like, even when you want to do internships or like this amazing project, you need to ask yourself, like, is this the thing that I need? So because everything comes with an opportunity cost. That's a that's a really good I can I think advice especially for those who aren't in the world of psychology but not quite clear of what they want to you know pursue in more detail. But if it's under my understanding that um, you know internships are not quite easy to come about in Singapore, is that right, Gwyneth? Actually, that's a very good question. Uh... I because I wasn't actively sourcing out internships, uh, I'm not very clear. But how I got my internship that I just described is I they sent an email to the school, so anyone could apply for it. So it kind of came to me rather than me looking for it. But based on what juniors have told me, it seems that there's a lot of interest for internships, but students don't really know where to find them. Yeah. So um. I think uh, if we're talking about internships, you would have to, you would need some kind of um, initiative to go and source for them yourself and perhaps ask your professors if they have any lobangs or openings. Mm. Thank you for yeah. the insight. And yeah, so um, it's so amazing that you're pursuing psychology at the master's level in the United States. I mean, we're having this call over here in Singapore. You must be up really late or, or early, I should say, right now. For this call so thank you for that uh what were your reasons for going to the yes i mean you said that there was a scholarship there is there any th- other reasons why yeah um honestly i don't think i would have made it to the singapore universities um i think that was one of the biggest things because i spent so much time playing golf um i i retained my first year of jc and so i thought you no know, my parents really pushed me to go overseas so that I would be able to both play golf and study at with less pressure. Um, and I think in Singapore, right, it the pressure was so overwhelming to always get good grades that it was not helpful with my stresses with golf and just school. Um, and I think for me that the school I went to had really small class sizes, so I was able to talk to professors, get help, and be very intimate in that sense. Um, and yeah so like going to the US that was for me like and I also have dyslexia so for me I was just like if I could go into a school where I knew I would have less pressure academically that it would be really helpful and also like in the US they take not all schools take accommodations really seriously but having like a learning disability they you know there are there are ways to ensure that I get extra help, uh, that the school will ensure I get extra help. So I have, um, I was able to get like, um, like PDF versions of textbooks so that I could get the laptop to read to me, could get extra time for my um, exams or my tests. Yeah, it was either go home and do a program that um, 
I'm okay with or stay here and do a program that I'm very interested in. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're just like a living example. I mean, you said that you were retained for a year. I mean, it just shows that um, everyone has their own paths and some may take longer, some may shorter. And it's great that you, you're happy with where you're at now. And it's, it's nice to see how you're cared for in, in America. And living in America, I mean, you say that you settled in really well. Were there any differences you observed from studying in Singapore versus the United States? I know you shared that, of course, their stress levels are very high in Singapore. I think all of us can agree to that. But um, are there any other, I guess, cultural differences? I think Gwyneth would be really interested in uh, hearing your point of view on that. Yeah, totally. So I think part of it is that I never got much of the sense that, you know, discussion is very um, encouraged in Singapore, right? It's like professor says you do, you, you listen, you absorb, you do, right? You apply. Um, but in the U.S., it's so you can discuss anything and you can challenge everything that your professor says. Like, you know, in, in the most respectful way, in a discussion, right? And that they're very open and willing to like sit down and like get coffee with you and be like, hey, professor, I don't get what's going on. Or this is how I see it. Um, can you help me with it? Or how how does why can't it work this way? Could we could we work it this way? Um, how does it look if I were to, you know, say it in this way? And they are very willing to giving you feedback and they're very willing for discussion. Um, they're also really encouraging. And but I think because I, I was very lucky that I was able to go into a school that has small class sizes that they were able to interact so much and to be so helpful. Um, right, because that's it's it's really hard when you have two hundred students and they're all trying to like let's get coffee. It's not not gonna make sense. Um, yeah. So I feel like also I've never really studied in college or in university in Singapore, so I can't really I don't really know what the differences are because I think it's so different once you're done with JC or Poly or ITE and then you're going into uni. It's so different. Um. So, yeah, I'm not, that's the only difference that I really see um, that I've experienced. So I can't really say much to anything else because I haven't really been in the Singapore tertiary education system. Thank you for your insights. Really interesting. I mean, um, I, st I only studied in Singapore, so it's, it's nice to hear from a different perspective. Um, okay, so Gwyneth, uh, on to you. So you studied in Singapore, different, not in America. Uh, and you studied psychology at the undergraduate level in Nanyang Technological University. Um, in your opinion, well, what are some of the main differences between psychology at the master's level versus undergraduate level? Yeah, mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, I can say for sure undergraduate studies and postgraduate studies are two different things altogether. So yeah, undergraduate study in university is quite similar to secondary school and JC. Um, you basically, you, you are exposed to a very large range of concepts, like basically the entire field, like the most important things. You memorize it, you regurgitate it for success. And of course, but yeah, you get some practice applying what you've learned. The postgraduate level is another ball game. So um, here uh, at postgraduate, uh, doing my master's, 90% of my energy is actually devoted to working on a single idea and trying to make contributions towards the scientific literature. So um, 
basically what you have to do is you have to uh, find a problem that has not been found by other people. Then you have to find a solution that has not been found by other people. So that's actually really difficult and I, I still struggle with it all the time. So your progress is no longer assessed by grades and modules. So it's not about, it's not, it's the whole criteria is just not like what you would do at an undergraduate level. It's instead measured by research output and publications. So how many studies can you run? How good are the quality of those studies? And, you know, how you think and reason and find, like, synthesize what's already in the literature to find a new idea. Yeah. So, of course, we, we do still do some studying, but it's not that important. I only took one module this semester. And so, yeah, 90% of my energy is in my research and 30% of my energy is spent assisting the professor in running classes and grading for undergraduate students. Yes. It adds up to 120% because that's what I feel like on a weekly basis. So you, uh, you <laughs> are you intending to perhaps, I guess, go into maybe teaching because you say you're helping your professor. Is that something that might be interested for you know your your future after your masters? Yes, you're right. Um, a key component of a postgraduate degree is actually teaching. So your research still holds the main priority, but another key objective is really like your ability to teach and engage students because that's what academics do like in a university setting so yeah it's actually very important uh, and it will contribute to my efforts in because I want to do further studies further further studies so I actually intend to apply for a PhD so I guess when evaluating my application they will also consider like my quality of research and my ability to teach like such as evaluations and history of teaching experience. To to sum up, I think that's also why the cut-off grade to enter a postgrad degree uh, is quite high. Like you have to, if you want to throw yourself into a field of research and show mastery at a certain topic, you have to demonstrate a good grasp of like the key concepts in your field in the first place. So undergraduate is about giving you a foundation where you understand where you understand the state of your discipline as a whole but at the master's level it's really about finding solutions to problems that people have not thought about so um, I think if anybody here wants to go for like a master's degree you have to demonstrate a few qualities so the first one and the most important one is you have to have a passion for doing research or maybe in uh, like for Yen's case I think you have to have a demonstrate a passion for like actually helping actually like having the practical experience and this comes from things on the ground like research projects, publications, and participation in volunteering projects or labs. Yeah. Um. Just to add on, you know, like, I think for me, <clears throat> for therapy or anything that's more like human interaction-based grades, you need a certain grade. You can't, you know, just pass. I think for my program, it was like a, a GPA of a three and above. Um. But, you know, it's, that doesn't disqualify you if your grades are not a three O. Um, like you could also just pass and right. It's all about the interview and and your personal essay and and explaining like what happened, right? Because some people have a really hard time in college, right, and university. Not just like with school, but with their life in general. They have people have so many things going on, and it can definitely affect schooling. And right, it's 
and so being able to explain like hey this is what happened but then being able to say but from there I learned how to do these things to pull myself together to get back on my feet and what you learn from the experience right because a lot of it at least for therapy right because you have to be very introspective in order to help your clients and so right they're looking for that maturity of being able to turn around something bad that has happened and be able to see the different opportunities that you can get from that um yeah and so they they look for maturity they look they look for not not always experience but right how can you turn the experience you've already had even if it's very little to to apply it to what you're gonna do so for me a, a lot of my classmates have been working for years a lot of them have families they have kids I'm one of the youngest ones, right? I look like a babe, like my, my co-therapist, so the therapist that I am paired with, she's twice my age. She's a war veteran. She's, I don't know, already has one master's or two master's and she's working on her third one. She's like retired from her job. And this is like what she wants to retire and do, you know? Um, and so really, in a, there's like, one of my classmates was an accountant, is an accountant. And then he decided he wanted to do therapy. So that, you know, everyone really for therapy, like you don't really always have to have the the perfect looking like resume. It's really how you can take away from the experience, how how you look at it. And so that's what they're looking for in the interview. How how you see your experiences and how you see it has helped you. Um, so I think that's the main difference for academia versus like, my side of like the master's program um yeah and that was really that's really empowering yeah it's it's also mm-hmm. really interesting to hear like i guess the differences right i mean you guys are in like some would say different spectrums and how they you know learn and how they gain knowledge which is really interesting and it's great that we have two different sides uh for this episode as yeah. well well we need we need gwen right we need research because that's what all we do is based off research um, and if without research, we can't do what we want we want to do, right? Because then what we'll be doing is just like up in the air. There's nothing to back um, our, um, you know, methods of working with people. So research is, it's, it all comes hand in hand, but you just don't always see it. Yeah. Complimentary. <laughs> Which is why this episode is amazing, because we have both sides. So we have both, I guess, if someone's, if, if one of our listeners are kind of on the edge of, you know, where, where they want to, I guess, which side they want to go on. Um, it's interesting because you have both you guys to have both sides of, you know, education how they, and how you guys feel about it. Um, I guess I'm wondering if, if one of our list, listeners is thinking, you know, to choosing between the two, do you guys have any um, hardships that you'd like to share? Perhaps some, some something that you feel you've gone through during a specific, you know, course maybe, or or the stress levels. Or what are your opinions on that? Yeah, um, I think for a therapy, I think for any job, really, you need to be very good at taking feedback. Um, and and then also being able to separate yourself. I think for me, when I was volunteering at Crisis Line, um, and also not all therapists go into like intense therapy with like trauma and all these like really heavy things. Like you can totally decide your client base, 
Um, but for me, I'm more interested in the heavy stuff. And so, you know, when I first started out a crisis line, um, you know, I get a lot of these repeat callers who, whose baselines are very intense. And at first, I had a very hard time separating myself because it go, comes with you, right? You replay their conversations and you think, what could I have done better to help them, right? Because, um, I mean, I think most people who go into therapy are wanting to help people. No one goes in there for money, right? Because honestly, we're all broke. But um, <laughs> so for me, that's like the biggest thing, being able to like separate. And I think that comes with practice as well. But I think that for me was the biggest hardship that sometimes it comes with you the things that they say and that the hardships that they have because it makes you feel very helpless sometimes listening because you can provide a listening ear can help them just through this immediate crisis and provide them resources but you don't know if they're going to go through with following up on the resource you don't know if they're going to go through with whatever plan that they might have prior to calling you know um and so everything's on the air because you can't call back to check in. Um, you don't know if they'll call back. Sometimes they hang up halfway while they're in really big crisis and you're like, oh my God, what is going to happen? You don't know. You never know. And so I think for me, that's the biggest part of like not knowing um, how they ended up and how if, if I was even helpful. And sometimes you get criticized a lot, right? Because these people are in such crisis that when you try to help them and they call, they're calling you for help, but they're so anxious and so emotional. They can't hear you. And, they, and they're and they in this state of like fight. And so whatever you say, they combat. They're very combative. And they say the nastiest things. Um, and that, that really comes back with you. Like I've been told, like, you know, I don't give any information about myself. But often, you know, they can hear my accent. Um, sometimes they'll say something that's very American and I don't understand. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean by that? And they'll be like instantly, oh, you're not American. Why are you here? Why are you taking up? Why are you, why are you taking our jobs? Go back home to your country. You don't belong here. And I'm just like, oh my god, like I'm trying to help you. Why would you say such things? But you know, there's things like that that do happen. Um, and yeah, so that for me, um, is the biggest thing. Um. And like worrying that you're going to mess up someone's life from what you said. And you're like, oh my God, hopefully I'm not doing the, the like, it's the imposter syndrome. That's, that's all I can say. It's very real and it happens, but I'm working through it. So if that's something that you worry about. That's wonderful. And uh, Gwyneth, do you have any, I guess, wisdom to share for those who are thinking of going through your part of uh, psychology education? Is there anything that... I guess three top tips for students who are well three top tips okay <laughs> I think I think first uh, yeah I would like to also share I mean since Yen talked about imposter syndrome I think that's also something that is a common experience like um I think if you're talking about challenges I did go through an episode of stress very recently like in my first semester of grad school so um uh, we were we were doing an assignment, right? And I I I submitted my assignment, and I had to peer evaluate my friend's assignment. So when I read my friend's assignment, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good! Like this, is like if this is an A standard, then my my assignment must be 
rubbish. So I, I once like, and I only saw one person's assignment, like that was enough. So I, I went into like a whole spiral and I was like, oh my god, am I really cut out for this? You know, why can't I be the best? And and this, this I've had this mentality for like the longest time in my life and it still, it still gets to me when under intense periods of stress. This, basically this imposter syndrome. And I think it's something that everybody has to contend with at every point of their life. Like whether you're in JC, in university, as an undergraduate or as a postgraduate. So yeah. <clears throat> uh, anyway, I sought counselling after that because I felt so bad about myself. And you know, yes, thumbs up. So so yeah, like, and, and the, one of the things that the counsellor asked me is, um, is it really feasible to be the best at everything? Like, is that expectation for yourself realistic? And are you... Um, when you are expecting so much of yourself, are you having a good relationship with yourself? You know, are you being too hard on yourself? Um, yeah, okay, anyway, um, I don't know if this undermines my message, but I got my results yesterday, and I got A plus for that module. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I don't know, I guess we all experience self-doubt, and, you know, things may not always turn out the way we want it to. And I think, so maybe my first tip would be social support is very important. Uh, if you are, if you find yourself lost or you don't know what to do, the first person you can always ask is your friends, your mentors, or your friendly counsellor in your school. Like, you know, getting an outside opinion always helps. And uh, for uh, for the more pragmatic part, I think to... Okay, so yeah, the more pragmatic part, yeah, I got, recently got sucked into a cult of productivity. You know, a cult of productivity is when like, you cannot stop watching YouTube videos on how to improve your life and become successful. And I've been reading like, self-help books also. So the good news is I have, a, I have a few helpful tips that may help students. So first is to have a plan. Okay, this is actually second. Second is to have a plan. So fail to plan and plan to fail. So you... um. Wherever you are now, you want to start with a broad goal of where you want to be sometime in the future. So like for example, at the end of your two to four years in university, what do you want to become? So you have to visualize the end goal. So a lot of people tell me that they want to be a clinical psychologist, for example. So if, if you want to be a clinical psychologist, you must know what are the key milestones that you need to hit. So for example, a master's degree. Then you break it down further. What are the steps that you need to do to get there? You need to get research experience, which can be done by talking to your professors or applying as an RA. Then uh, you also need to get good grades. So how do you get good grades? You study a lot. So how many hours are you going to study a day? So you need to have an action plan and you need to stick to it. So etc. etc. And the third thing you need to do is to prioritize. So uh, you can start by writing down all your projects and activities that you are currently engaged in. Then, you take a look. What are the things that are contributing the most to your growth in terms of where you want to be? So you keep them and you allocate more time to them because you have 168 hours in a week. I just found it yesterday. And then, and, and also there are some things on the list that are there things that are not helping you? So those things, you want to strike them off or you want to dedicate less time to them? Of course, you still need time for your hobbies and passion projects. And yeah, I mean, this is like some tips to get you started, but of course, it's easier said than done. But as you practice more, 
you will improve. And one of the tools that I find most useful is I use a daily planner to chart my goals. You know, I chart three-month goals, and then I chart my weekly progress and my daily progress. So, okay, yeah, my last piece of advice, I think long story short, is that uh, wherever you are, you don't have to have everything figured out, and you don't have to feel bad if you're not always clear on what you want to do. So as, but as long as you improve like 1% a day, you just move a bit to your goals, the distance that you travel will compound in the long run. So, and always seek out help if you're stressed or lost. Um, so yeah, social support is very important. And good luck to everyone pursuing wherever you want to go. You'll get there, just like Yen, just like me. You may not always know everything, but if you believe and make the steps, you will get there. Yeah. yeah. I think thanks right, to I you, think... I'll be getting a planner for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> totally. Planners are so helpful. Um, but just to add on, um, it's it's okay to to take your time and to right. I think one part that um Gwyneth was saying, like, you know, she went to see a counselor and seeing a counselor often is requires you to take a step back, right? to reevaluate what's going on. And that's something that's really important when you're feeling really stressed out, to, to slow down. Because I've definitely been there, like just studying, 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 especially with my dyslexia. It takes me a long time to read through all my academic stuff. And I'm like sitting there for six hours reading through the same paper because I'm dead tired. And I'm like, I need to get my readings done. But, you know, and I'm just like, what am I doing this for? But then you take a step back, you slow down. You're like, okay, we need a break. I'm tired, I need to relax, and then I can re- refresh my body and re- redo things. Um, and it's okay to redo things. It's okay if you mess up. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your advice, yeah, and especially you at all. I mean, all of you, you gave such amazing advice. I mean, as a psychology student myself, I'm listening to this and I'm like, yes, I can achieve whatever I want. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to get a planner. I'm going to get everything down. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so, so much, Gwyneth and Yan, for being our guest speakers for today's episode. I feel like I've gained so much, you know, um, inspiration and also knowledge based off you yourself. Um, so again, I hope this episode gives our listeners a deeper insight into the daily lives of psychology students, be it in Singapore or even in America. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, bye. Thank you for tuning in to All About Psych. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, do consider dropping us a follow on our official Instagram at spsyouthwing where you can find weekly posts about topics in psychology as well as more information about our upcoming events. See you in two months! Episode 1 of All About Psych, Chat with Psychology Students was hosted by Lydia Pervak, produced and edited by Ao Jinxuan and Lin Junyang, featuring guest speakers Gwyneth Tong and Wong Yanting, scripted and designed by Claire Xie, Sam Tan, Tiara Delila, and Sam Ang, with technical support by Joe Go, and the introduction, conclusion, and credits narrated by yours truly, Wu Li Xin. Thank you for listening if you stuck around all the way till the end, and we hope to see you next episode.